0: And Happy New Year everyone. <laughs> I wanted to touch on New Year's uh, a little bit today and uh, this uh, this message actually represents a little bit of uh, an unexpected journey. Not that uh, we're not going really crazy or anything but um, I wanted to um, continue on with kind of this impromptu series that the Lord has just sprung upon my heart. I don't know if you remember if you were here for the Christmas candlelight service, we talked about the cliche, Jesus is the reason for the season. And we went beyond that cliche, diving deeper beyond just Jesus being the reason for the season. And God was reminding us that Jesus is the reason for everything. I mean, he's the reason we celebrate, not celebrate, but we solemnize communion together. He's the reason we have breath in our lungs. He decided he saw fit to create us. He loves us. He, in the beginning, He was there, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, and then He saw fit to become flesh and enter His own creation. Everything we do, everything we have, everything we see and think, that is all thanks to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the reason for everything. So we went beyond the cliché, and then last week uh, we talked about the, the old cliché, New Year, New You. Uh, I've seen lots of people. I don't know. That must be getting tired because I see people and hear people talking. It's going to be a new year, same grumpy old me. That's a few people I've seen say that, same grumpy old me. Uh, and, and I that's I don't know what that's going to be for me. I, I think a uh, new year, new me would be great. But we went beyond the cliche that it's not just New Year's that God makes us new. He wants to renew us every morning. He wants to renew us every day, that when we're in Christ, we're a new creation. And therefore, we're continually being made new. We're continually growing into these new creations uh, and so if anyone is in Christ, we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We talked about the process of going through that. And so I've decided to call this series Beyond the Cliché. We're going deeper than these 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 words that and phrases that we've all heard before, but we're diving deeper into them. And the reason I want to do that is, is uh, mainly because I believe God is calling our church beyond going through the motions. Now, I don't believe that this is a church... That goes through the motions, you know, worse than a lot of other churches or anything like that. But I do believe that God is calling us deeper. Now, I, when it comes to doing, you know, stepping out of the box, yes, our church does things like kids rock camp. Our church does community dinners and community breakfasts and things like that. But I think we, it's easy to fall into just a routine and rhythm of just doing those things because what, that's what we've always done without heeding the call to go deeper. And so cliches are kind of, uh, that, you know, they're things that we may say to ourselves or things we may think about. You know, they're, they're common. And what, to me, what that represents is just going through the motions. Cliches are phrases that tie in with going through the motions. And so New Year, New Me, it's kind of that cliche of, ah, I'm going through the motions of setting a goal for myself. I'm making these New Year's resolutions and that's just, you know, it's just kind of what we do. And, and when we go through the motions, that's where life does not really change all that much. That's why life change often doesn't just happen at New Year's, it happens at the moment God leads us to make that change. And so diving deeper and going beyond the cliche. Uh, forces us to think about the the things that God is calling us to. And so we want to dive deeper into the word, not just taking it at face value, but really exploring it. And so uh, today we're going to dive a little deeper on a cliche that I first heard, I think I want to say back in 2015. Um, uh, and so people were asking, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Back in 2015, the answer was always, I don't know. I don't have 2020 vision. yeah 2015 five years i don't have 2020 vision yeah (laughs) i don't know where i'm going to be in 2020 and so um i didn't know where i was going to be in 2020 but here we are thanks to the lord and lord willing we'll be here uh as long as he has us 2030 lord willing and, and beyond but um so that that I I I prom, I promised myself I wouldn't use that terrible title this week. I you know that I'm a part of a pastor's group and a few people are imploring us, pleading with us. Don't use the hackneyed 2020 vision as your sermon title. Every pastor is gonna be doing that. You, you can't go to a church without hearing 2020 vision, 2020 vision. Here's the vision for 2020. Oh, it's so tacky and corny. So I built myself a loophole where we're gonna talk about it. But that's not the actual title, so you can't be mad at me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, you're not allowed to hate me. I, I'm acknowledging how bad the joke is this morning. So, but in any case, I wanted, like I said, I wanted to go deeper. I want to go beyond the cliche, cliches because I think cliches leave us in this, you know, kind of going through the motions of comfortable Christianity. Uh, and so we can talk about 2020 vision. There are churches doing this, and then we're casting a big vision for 2020, when in reality... Um, those kinds of those kinds of churches it's very easy to say well that's the vision for 2020 but you know it's for you know December 2020 and we got lots of time before we get there I believe God wants us to focus on right now and today and the rest of 2020 and then well beyond that as well and so it's easy to set those goals and visions and then never actually do anything about it and going beyond the cliché takes us deeper than just 2020 vision it takes us deeper and he wants us to dive deeper into just cliché and routine and press more into him in the year ahead so i want to talk about that first of all going deeper than that i want to talk about the fact that it's not about the future but rather about the present and god's vision and god's goal and god's plan for not for each and every one of you and then also for our church as a whole Going deeper than 2020 vision requires the understanding that not all of God's plans and visions are only about the future. Now, when we read the book of Daniel, we read the the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and we read especially the book of Revelation, we like to look at those things and go, hmm, sounds a little bit like today, but uh, it's in the future, and so it's easy to ignore that and forget about that. Or It's easy to place ourselves there and say, it must be happening right now. And if it happens in the future, then I don't want anything. I don't care. It's not that important. But God's goal when he gives throughout scripture, when he gives prophecy throughout scripture, the goal of prophecy is never about knowledge. It's never about knowledge. Knowledge is a part of it, but the the goal of prophecy is never just knowledge. Because the word of God is not meant to be a textbook but rather an instruction manual. And so the goal of God's prophecy, the goal of God speaking to the Israelites throughout the prophets, when you read in the Old Testament, the goal of of God speaking to us through revelation, through his word, through reading the New Testament, the goal is always, yes, there may be knowledge that goes with it. Knowledge is important, but knowledge without action is dead, just like faith without deeds is dead. We can know a lot about the Bible without acting it out, but that's not the kind of focus and goal that God wants us to see. God does not want us to know more about Him in 2020. He wants us to know Him more in 2020, and there is a difference and a distinction there, and it lies in where our focus is. We can know lots about God without actually knowing Him deeper, and we can we can look to look to His Scripture and say, God, I want to know more about the future. But in reality, every every prophecy that we read, and even the book of Revelation as we read it, yes, there is knowledge of the end times in there. But that knowledge is always meant to drive us to action. It's meant to push us towards reaching out. And it's it's, it's different action every time. That's why it's complicated to speak about it. Because you can't say, when I read the book of Revelation, it inspires me to move to Africa. Because not everyone is called to Africa. We like to think, uh, when I grew up, I thought there was this, you know, this hierarchy of people who served God. And so there were people who didn't believe in God, and they were kind of off the chart. And then there were just the people who went to church, and they're here. And then there were like, okay, the board members, they must be here. And then there is, you know, Sunday school teachers, and maybe they're tied with the board members, but they're kind of in there. And there are all these layers. And then there was a pastor, the pastor's good. And then there was traveling evangelists. That was kind of the hierarchy. And then the highest you could get, you could be, you could be a missionary within your own country. And then you could be a missionary in Europe. And then above that, way up here was I could be a missionary to Africa. I don't know why that was the hierarchy growing up, or why, what made me feel that way, but there was like this high calling to—you were really well respected if you were going to go and be a missionary in Africa. And you know what? I'll—I'll I'll tell you this: I never once felt called to go to Africa, and I still don't. I have good friends, you know, Doug and Sandra Wilkinson. Doug is called to to Africa. He—he he loves going back. He's—I think he's planning his next trip already. He's passionate about. Reaching the people of Africa, I'm passionate about meeting, meeting, you know, leading people to Christ right here in Clinton. And it's not that you can't be passionate about both. My goal is to be focused on what God wants me to focus on. And so we 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 like to talk about big plans, and big plans may be for some people going to Africa, but in reality, God is driving us to action wherever we are, and He's calling us to do something for His kingdom wherever we are. We often like to think that God is going to show us some great grand plan laid out like a blueprint before us. And we think of prophecy and scripture like that. We think, oh, God's going to tell me this is what you're going to do. And I'm going to lay out your path because that's what we do with our trips, isn't it? When we go on vacation, what's the f- what's the first thing you do if you're going to a place you've never been before? I don't know about you, but for me, it's Google Maps, GPS, you know, all those kind. We're, we're planners. We're plotters. And you used to be back in the day, you'd take out the Atlas if you're going to cross the country. You'd find and mark out the name of the... I mean, if you're crossing Canada, it's pretty easy. You just get on one and keep going until you reach the ocean in either direction. <laughs> but when it, when you're planning out this trip, we like to lay out our plans. We like to set up where we're going. We, you know, punch it. It used to be ma- punch it into MapQuest. Does anyone remember MapQuest? Maybe... Yeah, I'm a millennial, so I remember all these GPS and mapping Uh the things you plot it out and you make your plans. now, nowadays you can punch into, you know, where you're going. It'll, it'll give you the, you know, which towns you should stop in for the cheapest gas and optimize your route for the cheapest possible trip and where you should stop. You can do it from here to Timbuktu if you want to. And we're, that's, that's what, what we're like as Christians. We like to plan everything out. And therefore we love sermons that are about 2020 vision because we're going to plot out exactly what God wants. For us to do. And God oftentimes does not work that way. Sometimes He does, but oftentimes He knows, our, has our best interests at heart, and goes, Once they reach this fork in the road, I will tell them where they're going to go next. Sometimes He waits until we're already at it God, I'm driving 60 miles an hour. I need to know which way I'm going to turn. God, tell me, so." And then you have to turn quickly, and suddenly He's going to reveal to us what way we're going. I'm going to read to you from uh, Genesis chapter 12 this morning, uh, an instance of God revealing the future to someone. Right in the very beginning, I'll let you find it here. I already found it earlier, but go ahead and turn there. in. So let's start in uh, Genesis 12, verse 2. We're going to jump ahead one verse. Genesis 12:2 says, I will make this is God speaking to Abram before he's Abraham. Said in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That is a huge promise that God makes to Abram. And that we like to think that's, that's a future prophecy. That's all future. I will make you into a great nation. That's, that's down the road. That's 2020 vision. You know, that's God speaking to Abram. But before we get to verse two, and just to highlight this point, before we get to verse two, first we have to read verse one. And that's why I skipped ahead to make the point. When you read verse one, it's actually very much different. When you read verse 1, God says to Abram, in verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And then, once he's obedient to that, God tells Abram, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated in the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out, before the land, set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. That's a very, very short story, but a very, very long journey of God being obedient to, a, sorry, excuse me, Abram being obedient to God before he knew where he was going and what he was doing. Now you can make the argument, yeah, he eventually you got to Canaan and God showed him the promised land. But God is calling us to make steps sometimes that are beyond what we're able to see. I talk about that. All throughout Scripture, the point of prophecy and visions is meant to drive us to action, not in the future alone, but in the present. And God is calling us. We do the same thing with our own lives. I think we think of verses like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We go, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And we 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 think of verses like that and elsewhere in Chronicles too. And and um, we kind of hold that up as the future. And if we leave it there without applying it to our daily lives, we never actually get there. And and unfortunately, I think Christians end up kind of just on this treadmill of uh, you know, I'm going through the motions. I'm going to church, but I, I'm not, I'm not living this out in my daily life on Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm not, I'm not actually applying it. And so, like spiritual procrastinators, we put off God's plans. We put off God's will. We put off what, what, what we assume is His plan for the future. And we say, God, I know you have a plan for my future, but what about right now? God wants us to say, I know you have a plan for right now, Lord. I know you have a plan for this day. I'm looking down the road, but I also want to focus on what I'm doing today. God's plan is not just for the future, not just for 2020, and not just for 2030. God's plan for this church starts when we leave this building today. He's already working out that plan. And if we'll be obedient to it, we'll start to see that with clarity what He wants us to be doing, not just five years down the road, not just by the end end of the year but tomorrow morning when we get up god's plan for us is not not as for today not just because it's a new year not just because it's a new decade and we have this silly 2020 vision pun about it god like abram god is calling us to step out in faith into the plans that he has for us today he doesn't want us to wait he doesn't want us to keep pushing it into the future like we treat prophecy like oh that's that's down the road and i'll worry about when i get there God's plan and goal and desire for us is for today. And so, secondly, moving on, if we want to go beyond the cliche, we need to look at what 2020 vision actually means. So, in, in getting laser eye surgery, by the way, laser eye surgery, not what I expected when I was a kid. I didn't, I didn't know when I was about seven years old that laser eye surgery. You can shoot lasers from your eyes. Very disappointed not to find that, find out that was not the case. <laughs> So I had laser eye surgery. I had, uh, PRK. I don't even remember what it stands for anymore, but I know they zapped my eye off. That wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> but in going through the process of having this, you know, my eyes turning into a cone shaped and them correcting that and putting drops in my eyes to, 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 uh, you know, stiffen them up, make them more rigid and learning about 2020 vision and how, how far away I was from that. Um, uh, I learned quite a bit about uh, you know just just about uh, the eyes and, and the way that they measure your eyes that kind of thing and so um, some of you won't be surprised to, to hear this but maybe you need this reminder that 2020 vision is that actually it's not perfect vision. 2020 vision is is not the highest level of vision. I don't know if you remember Jeff McMichael, big tall police officer used to live across the street from me. Uh, Jeff McMichael has better than 2015 vision. Let's, oh, what does that mean? 2015 vision. Huh? He's looking in the past, right? No, he, had, he has 2015 vision, meaning things that are 20 feet away from him appear to be actually only 15. He can see what other people can only see from 15 feet away. 2020 vision is not perfect vision. It's accurate vision. 2020 means what appears to be 20 feet away to you is actually 20 feet away from you. In my, the worst of my surgery before I had my surgery, I had one eye that was about uh, 2200 vision, meaning what was 20 feet away appeared to be uh, 200 feet away. And when my eyes would get tired, if I'd stared at a computer screen a long time, uh, I would have 2400 vision, meaning I could, what th- letters that were 400 feet away, or letters that were 20 feet away, seemed to be 400 feet away from me. It would be as if there was, you know, way, way across the street. And so the goal for, for, uh, for the optometrist and for the surgeon was, was never actually to get 2020 vision. It's to get acceptable vision to move it back, you know, beyond. And I'm at about 2025 right now, which is a tremendous blessing. But understanding and that and applying it to God's word, uh, it underst- we need to understand that t- having, uh, God's vision is not about seeing everything perfectly and lining up every single thing. And that 2020 vision is not meant to be seeing perfectly, but rather seeing accurately. And I believe that scripture talks quite a bit about seeing things accurately. And and for us as believers, we want to know and understand what that means. So we're going to read a couple a couple of verses here. And we're going to jump around a little bit. So if you have your scripture, if you have your Bible open already, turn to Colossians chapter 3 with me. I bookmarked it, but we're, uh, yeah, page page 1682, (laughs) if you have the same Bible as me. Um, Colossians chapter 3, we're just going to read a few verses on where our focus is, where are we looking. Because when we focus on the wrong things, we end up going in the wrong direction. Just like when we're driving, uh, you need to look at where you want to go. Because if you look to the obstacle, you end up steering towards it. God wants us to focus on the things that matter. So Colossians chapter 3, let me know when you're there. Once half of you are looking up, I'm going to start reading, and then you'll just have to catch up. (laughs) So Colossians 3 is all about where our focus lies. Colossians 3, just just right from verse 1, and we'll read it together. Colossians 3, 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also, you will, you also, excuse me, will appear with him in glory. Let's focus on what Paul's saying here to the church in Colossus. He's saying, since you've been raised with Christ, in the, in view of communion this morning, remembering that we've been given new life here on earth, that we're new creations, set your hearts on things above. Place your hopes, your dreams, and your visions on things above, on heavenly things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then not only set your hearts there, but also set your minds there as well. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The problem of focus with us as, as human beings, as we have a short-sighted mentality, just, not just as Christians, as humans. As humans, we are very unable to think long-term. Uh, everything we teach our children, and, and if you look at studies about children, the ability to delay gratification, When learned at a young age, is a prime marker for success later in life. Because the inability to delay gratification causes us to make very poor decisions in adulthood, and then obviously as kids as well. And so, much like the teen who speeds around without a seatbelt, making poor decisions while driving, perhaps drinking and driving because their prefrontal cortex, their brain just isn't, isn't fully formed yet, they're just not that smart. That's an inability to understand the consequences of driving like a meathead that's there are consequences and thinking long term goes yes i could drive my cars capable of traveling 250 kilometers an hour but this is a school zone and i want to keep this car and i don't want to kill anyone and so not that every teen drives 200 but the understanding that making wise decisions is an ability to delay gratification in very small ways like getting where we're going just a little bit slower or not looking as cool to my friends or, you know, all these things that we identify in children and go, I wish that they would learn this. A lot of that is about delayed gratification. A lot of that is about understanding that there is something greater if we will deny ourselves in the present. And Christianity is very much about denying ourselves in the present Just as Christ said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, wants to follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Well, that becomes a problem of focus because if I'm looking at what I have in this life in the next year, the next three years, the next 20 years, and all my planning and goals and everything I do, everything I focus on is about this life and this life alone, that's a focus problem because we're not looking past what we have right here. We're just looking at what we can see. Well, that's what the world does. That's what existentialism is. When people have an existential crisis, it's because they come to a a thought, a false realization that this is all there is and there's nothing more. Well, that's not true, but you can go through extreme depression and crisis if you are fooled into believing that. Because if this is all there is, well, then this is all there is. What a depressing thought that is. And if that's the, the focus, if that's, if that's the goal in the dream, which is just I'm going to make the most out of what short life I have. Well, then as, as age sets in, as, as time starts to run out, as danger approaches us, we start becoming more and more tense, more and more frustrated and angry when things don't turn out. We start to question God, God, why aren't, why aren't you blessing me? And as Christians, we have this, this knowledge, this head knowledge of, yeah, there's eternity in heaven. But do we really live like that? Do we really live like, do, we, do our spending habits and our time habits and our life focus and everything we pour our efforts into, do those things reflect a knowledge of eternity? Because if they don't, we're not focusing on the right things. And if we just live like the world does, which is for this time, I'm going to enjoy this time as much as I have. We're missing the vision that God has for us in eternity. And it's not just about treasures in heaven. It's about living a life of purpose now, a life of blessing now, not just physical blessing. That's short-sightedness. I mean, all of the prosperity gospel of of preaching that God only—you know—if you, it's a lack of faith if you're not rich, and God wants to bless you with material things. That's short-sighted. That's so short-sighted. Uh, once again, I, I'm rem- reminded of Francis Chan's illustration. I, I wish I had thought of it yesterday. I found a nice long rope, and he—if he, uh, if you have a chance to look it up—if you just Google Francis Chan, you know, type it into YouTube, whatever. Francis Chan rope. Francis Chan rope illustration, and he'll explain it way better than I can. He has this long rope, and he says, imagine this rope just goes on for eternity. It just never ends. It goes around the world, around the world. It's just an eternal rope. Then he takes a piece of tape, you know, a thickness of a piece of scotch tape, and it's around the end. He says, this is our lives. Our lives will go on for eternity, but this represents the life that we have on earth. This three quarters of an inch, one inch. And we pour all of our time And all of our resources, all of our effort, all of our thought and planning, everything we have goes into this one inch of rope, on a a length of rope that goes into eternity. And if all of our focus is on this one inch, how much are we missing in the length of eternity of rope, uh, the length of time that we literally in our human minds can't fathom? How much are we missing out on? How much are we not doing because we're focused on self, Instead of focused on others. Too many Christians reflect worldly mindsets when it comes to focus and planning and spending and time and everything. Because following Christ is about adopting a different mindset. Setting our minds on things above. It's about adopting a different focus. Focusing on eternity. It's about adopting a different rhythm and pattern and worldview and everything. it uh, it changes our whole lives that's why when scripture talks about being a new creation it's not it's not that we become a different species it's that everything about our lives is meant to change sometimes rapidly and quickly and sometimes very gradually but make no mistake god is calling you towards change he's calling you to adapt and change your life to set your minds on things above not on earthly things because if we're focused on personal goals and bettering ourselves and earthly plans, you're not catching God's vision for your life. You're not, you're not grasping all of it. You might grasp part of it, but you're not grasping all of it. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Uh, we'll, uh, I'll just jump there quickly and you can read along with me uh, if you like, but we'll uh, read it, has this has this same kind of mindset and the same focus. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus had an eternal mindset he i mean if you look at it right here it says for the joy set before him he endured the cross we are called to set our eyes on jesus to fix our eyes upon him and focus like a focus lock on him alone never taking our eyes off him because we recognize that just like peter when he stepped out of the boat when he lost sight of jesus and saw the waves around him he became terrified and began to sink the only thing that will cause us to do crazy things like peter stepping out of the boat into the dangerous waters to walk on water he is calling us to focus on him and him alone not on the storms going on around us not on these worldly things not on what we want out of life but on what god wants out of our lives and so he calls us he calls us to do this very thing to fix our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who himself demonstrated for us where to fix our eyes he says for the joy set before him he endured the cross if you can envision it, that Jesus, yes, the cross is before him. But beyond the cross, he has this focus on the Heavenly Father. And he knows that this is just a blip in his 33-ish year life. This is just an instant, a moment. Yes, it is the most torturous thing that a person could ever go through. Because not only did he endure the physical pain of crucifixion, not only did they drive the nails through his hands and feet, not only did they spit on him and mock him and, and make Him nude in front of everyone and embarrass him and shame him and place a crown of thorns upon his head to mock him. But not only the humiliation of what he went through and the emotional torture of what he went through, but the spiritual reality of bearing the sins of every person, not in this room, but in this world. That everything he went through, he, for the joy set before him, endured all of that and then some. All of that because he saw beyond the cross beyond into eternity, knowing what this would accomplish, and willingly laid down his life for us. If you want to know what it takes to lay down your life for Jesus Christ, it takes looking beyond this day. It takes looking beyond the cross, the daily cross. It takes looking beyond my life and what I want to accomplish and my goals and my plans and my purposes, and looking to heaven and saying, God, what do you want to accomplish through me? it's a focus issue. If we focus on self and on now, we're unable to at the same time focus on eternity and on God and on heaven and on his plans. Having accurate vision is really a matter of focus. Are we focusing on self or are we focusing on God's goals? Are we focused on Jesus? And in my prayers in 2020, it'll be a year of heavenly focus, that we'll look to the things of heaven instead of the things of earth, and we have to make a conscious decision to do that regularly. Lastly, I believe a huge part of having an accurate picture of God's plan requires us to live, ironically, not by sight. Having true vision requires us not to look with our eyes, but to look with faith. Last week, we read from 2 Corinthians 5. Interestingly, I did not have a plan for this week. But in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we picked up in uh, verse 12, I believe it was. We didn't read this. But interestingly, the word tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we live by faith and not by sight. We, we walk not by sight, not by what we see around us. We live by faith. And the word of God tells us that the righteous shall live by faith. That's where that's taken from. We are called not to live by what we see. And that really is uh, understanding that is, again, it's about focus. It's about understanding that if we focus on the things of this earth, that's living by sight. If we focus on the things of God and what he wants us to do, that's living by faith. I mean, it kind of is that simple, but it's very, very difficult to do. That takes faith. It takes faith to have a heavenly focus. It's about trusting God instead of trusting ourselves, and that's where it's a challenge. That's where God stretches us, and the rubber meets the road when we when we get to live out our faith in scary but rewarding ways. God is raising up a church that is willing to step out of the box and and do scary things for God. It's, when Peter stepped out of the boat, it's a scary thing stepping out of a boat in a storm. Where the likelihood is very high that you'll drown. Peter does this very scary thing because he sees Jesus on the water, and he goes, "If that's God, I want to be. If that's Jesus, I want to be there with him, Lord. If it's you, tell me to come out to you." And Jesus invites him out, and and God is calling us to do scary things sometimes, because if faith and sight are just the same thing, we're we're never going to be challenged if we just live by sight. When when God tests our faith, we'll fail that test because we're focused on the things of this earth. God is calling us to be people who will step up and say, just like this church did 13, 14 years ago, to step up and say, I don't think we have the resources to run a camp, but God told us to do it. I, I don't know if we're able to do this camp thing. And in the excitement and hustle and bustle of being obedient to God, we just started doing it. <laughs> And God called us to this crazy dream. You know how crazy it is to continue to do this? You know how difficult it is to find volunteers to keep stepping up to do more and more because God keeps sending more and more? God wants us to to step out in faith and do it anyways. God wanted a church to rise up and hire a kids pastor when there was no budget to hire a kids pastor. Just because God told you to. Here I am. It's been... It's been 12 years now. I've been here since 2007. God called me a year late. Sorry. (laughs) You you thought I'd be here in 2006, but God had a a different plan. God wants us to be a church that steps out and says, I don't think we can keep this church going any longer because there's only two of us, Hertha and Lydia. And God says, God God has a plan beyond those lean years. God has a plan beyond the mill closing. God's not surprised by Chasm mill closing down. We were. Some were. Some weren't. God's not. God is not so concerned with our human minds and our earthly mindset. God is concerned with our obedience and our faith and our trust in him to step out of the box and do something ridiculous for him. Are we willing to take that step? God is looking for people like Noah. Noah did not start to build the ark because it started raining. just the opposite. Do you know how people must have mocked Noah? Do you you know how far he was from the closest lake geographically? And how big this boat or this ark was? Well, it didn't fit in a lake. God is calling for people to start building boats before it starts raining. He's calling for God and people like Abram who step up and say, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to follow you, God. Wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. Wherever you lead me, I'm going to follow. I don't remember where I had recently heard this. I meant to ask Tara about this. Tara and I were talking about it, and we were talking with Tara's dad somehow. But the illustration of the Impala. I don't know how many of you know anything about Impalas. Were we talking about this recently? Yeah, um, I think think it's Ken Russell sharing about the Impala, right? Yeah. Thank you for remembering, because I could not remember where I heard this. But it it fits with today, so I'm stealing it. Sorry, Ken Russell. (laughs) I'm going to have to go back and listen to that sermon on the (laughs) website. We're talking about impalas. impalas are, are have the capability of jumping 10 feet high. They can cover a span of 10 meters, 33 feet. They, they can jump 33 feet lengthwise, 10 feet in the air, and are regularly confined by fences that are three feet, three feet tall. They can clear a three foot fence by seven feet, taller than, a little taller than me, a lot taller than me. <laughs> and yet they are regularly confined, they are able to be confined. By a, a height of only three feet, because they are unable, they they lack the 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 fortitude to jump where their feet can't, where they can't see where their feet are going to land. I'm I'm not doing it justice. So I don't have Ken Russell's uh, you know sermon up on the website, but once I do, <laughs> go back and listen to it. And he tells it better than I do. That's that's your homework. And so impala's because they are not able to see over the fence, if you know, obviously it couldn't be a clear fence, they would see. But if they can't see where they're going to land to land, they refuse to jump. They are held in captivity by their the lack of their ability to make a leap of faith. I mean, that's a that's a really, if we really just envision that, that is a really strong indicator of the North American church, isn't it? We are held in captivity sometimes by by our lack of trust and faith that God is going to see us through clearly. And it's not it's 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 even more than that. It's a, it's even a deeper level than that because we're not just impolus who who can blindly jump to freedom. We have Jesus on the other side of the fence telling us on the other side of that wall say it's okay it's safe i promise i will catch you i promise you'll land on your feet everything will be fine you can trust me i have a plan and even still in hearing our lord and savior on the other side calling us to freedom calling us to a leap of faith we're still saying god i'm scared because i can't see what's on the other side i don't know where i'm gonna end up and god is challenging us as a church jump out Step out in faith. You don't have to have the vision. You don't need to see the full roadmap to know where I'm going. You can step on the accelerator and trust me. I know where I'm going. God's a better driver. He's a better pilot. he's 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 a better map maker. He created every one of us. He can be trusted. He's the perfect navigator. And yet we often like to grab the map and say, hold on, God, I know where I'm going. That's so short-sighted. It's myopic. It's that's the that's we we're we're nearsighted. We focus on the things of this earth and we go, God, that doesn't make sense, so I'm not gonna do it. God is calling us beyond our lack of faith to trust his vision for this church. And that's gonna be scary sometimes. I believe God has as um laid a, a vision on my heart and certainly on other people's hearts for for Clinton and for this church and what the plans are ahead. I'm not going to share with you. It's too scary. <laughs> when I saw, I woke up in cold sweats in the middle of the night and I dreamed about it three times. And before that, God has showed me a vision of what God is calling us to. And then when, he, when, when I said, God, I don't think we can do that, he added to it. <laughs> I mean, that's scary. <laughs> you know what it's going to require of us? It's going to require more than Sunday mornings, people. It's going to require more than just a couple bucks in the offering and just you know a token of going through the motions of what he wants us to do. It's God is calling our church and and he I mean he gives us the freedom to say no I don't want to go there I don't want to drive that way. He leaves he leaves total control of the steering wheel and he says okay I I will let you go the direction you want to go even if it's the wrong direction. To me that's actually scarier than going God's way. It's, it's it, it, the, the thought of focusing on the things of this earth and totally missing the point is terrifying. It should terrify all of us. <laughs> the beautiful thing about God's plan and his vision is that it's, it's both massive in scope, eternal in scope, and yet incredibly minute in detail. It's incredibly small. Every tiny detail, God wants us to focus on that as well. Uh, I, that there's there's nothing I can, there's no illustration I can explain to you that is able to both focus on eternity and then also on the day-to-day. God is calling us to do both and only he can do that. That's why it requires walking by faith and not by sight. Because we we, we can focus on this day and what God wants me to do this day and then lose sight of the big picture down the road. Or we can focus so much on the big picture down the road that we forget to live the, those daily moments of showing God's love to people. It can only be led by the Holy Spirit. Because we, we're, as a church, going to be called to focus on a big dream and big picture ahead, God's huge vision for this church. But every single day, that's going to require us to go out and love people. Just in a very real and plain and you know simple way. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, that's... Really, when it snows, not that hard for those of us who are able-bodied and can shovel for them. It really not that hard to, for, for baked goods to come to their neighbors and love them. I, I, well, I'm not calling us to do anything really radical and extreme in the, in the small picture. And yet in the big picture, God is calling us to radical and extreme things. And they're both, they're both God's plan and God's will. And so it's going to require faith and trust in what God wants. It has, to, it has to, it requires our focus not on 2020, not just on eternity, but on Him. As we focus on Him, that causes us to focus on eternity. And at the same time, causes us to focus on today as well. At the same time, we can be both heavenly minded with a focus on eternity while also focusing on the tiny details of obedience. In daily life, in day-to-day life, and taking up our cross daily and following Him. That, that huge journey of following God's vision really is about those small miniature moments that God sets us, sets before us to show our obedience to Him and His plan. So let's be people who fix our eyes on Jesus every day, who focus on eternity, on God's plan, uh, and who are focused on Him instead of the selfish pleasure of today, the, the narrow minded and nearsighted vision of what can i do to make my life better rather focus on the goal of eternity of what god wants us to do of obedience to him of laying down our our lives uh, on the cross and and taking up our cross daily and being obedient to him trusting god walking by faith and not just by sight that's that's god's goal i believe for the year ahead let's pray